Well, let's bow once more as we prepare our hearts and our minds to receive the word of God this morning. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Father, through your spirit, you've given us the ability to trust you, uh, to see you as you are, uh, to have the joy of obeying you, uh, because it's not something that is uh, drudgery uh, to obey you, uh, because when we obey you, then we realize uh, our purpose. Uh, We realize uh, how precious you are, how precious eternal life is, uh, how much you love us through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, And Father, this morning we ask as we uh, look into chapter 5, verse 1 of Ephesians, as we understand what it means to be an imitator of you, Uh, and the importance of imitating you uh, to the world around us, Uh, that you would challenge us, that you would cause us to dig deeper into your word, to truly have a a better understanding, a deeper understanding, a broader understanding of who you are, uh, so that we don't have a wrong idea uh, and put forth something that is a lie or a falsehood and not the truth. Uh, So, Father, guide us this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll open up to Ephesians chapter 5. We're getting close. We're closer to the end than we are to the beginning of Ephesians. And here in verse 1, we see another transition take place. Uh, as you see the word, therefore. And the thing that they, they uh, t- teach you uh, in Bible school is to ask the question, why is the therefore, therefore? Uh, And so as we take a look at our text, remembering that the chapter divisions and the verse divisions are, you know, not inspired. God didn't, you know, say chapter 5, verse 1 through Paul. Um, They're there for our benefit so that we can actually turn and find scriptures. Um, But the therefore is actually connecting back to what we just talked about last week. Um, And actually, even this whole last section where we talked about this... uh, Uh, proclamation for us to uh, put on who we are in Christ Jesus and to put off the old ways. Uh, And it finished last time with be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Uh, And so this is what should characterize us as believers in the world today, that we are kind towards one another, that we, we do not, you know, look to tear one another down. We don't look for maybe inconsistencies or ways in which we can, you know, feel better about ourselves and say, I'm not as bad as, you know, we are all part of the bride of Christ, every believer that has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, And so we should be kind to one another, uh, tenderhearted towards one another, realizing that we're all at different spots in our our walk with God, uh, that we're all growing. None of us have arrived. None of us are perfect. Uh, No matter how much we would love to see that be a reality, uh, that is part of the reason why we have the Holy Spirit within us continuing to teach us and to guide us uh, in all truth. So, uh, and as it closed out, verse 32, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And as we talked last time, sometimes it's hard to forgive others because they have done something Horrific. They've hurt us deep down inside. Uh, 
But again, look at it in light of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We have done exactly the same thing, but infinitesimally more rude, uh, more self-centered, not realizing that this is the God, the creator of all things, who brings life, you know, and can take life away. Uh, And so as we see the example of our Heavenly Father forgiving us in Christ, that is all we need. For Christ's sake, we forgive. Uh, And then it goes on to say, therefore, because that's a reality, because this is true, because this is who you are in Christ Jesus, this is who you are because the Holy Spirit indwells you, be imitators of God. Um, That word imitators in verse 1 is the Greek word mimetes, which is used six times in the New Testament. And it's actually where we get our English word, mimic. Uh, so what it's calling us to do is to actually mimic God, to be like him in who he is. Uh, Paul used this same word in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, where he says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So Paul, you know, distinguishing, saying that, you know, I am imitating Christ to you. I am reflecting what Christ has done in my life to you. I'm living by his word, by his teachings, by the eternal word of God. And therefore, as I do that, imitate me. But really, it's the source that we're concerned about. The source is God himself. You should not be imitating any other human being on this planet unless they are fully imitating the God who made them. Because Paul said, you know, imitate or be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So he's saying only as much as I actually am living the way I'm supposed to live in obedience and trusting, trusting and obeying, that is what you are supposed to see in me and also do. Because as Paul was being obedient, as he was trusting in God and living the way he should, that's how every believer should live. And so they had an example in someone that was a brother in Christ that they could look to. Was Paul perfect? No, he was not. There'll be times when he is not imitating Christ. So the result being, don't imitate me when I don't imitate Christ. But as I'm imitating Christ, imitate me, because the goal is to imitate Christ himself. See, we need to remember that there has been a metamorphosis that is taking place. Um, And this imitating God is what anchors every believer. Because before what anchored us was us, you know, being like the rest of the world, imitating, you know, the, the prince of the power of the air being selfish in our desires and our, and our wants and the things that we did, uh, the choices that we make. They were informed by this world, uh, by the lust of the flesh, by uh, the sinful pride of life and the, the lust of the eyes. Uh, all those things were things that we did, but see, that's not who we are. And so there's a new anchor that is anchoring us to God, and that is uh, an imitation of him, not a fake, you know, because the world doesn't need to see fake Christians. Are there fake Christians in churches? Yes, there are. 
They look good on the outside, but there's been no transformation on the inside. They've never repented of their sins and trusted in Christ. See, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 to 16, it says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy." So again, you see this, this whole you know, repetitiveness of obedience because we're not obeying the, the lust of the flesh. We're not obeying sinful desires. What we're obeying is God now because he's given us his mind, his spirit to, to be part of who we are each and every day so that we're not conformed to those old ways but are actually being transformed, becoming holy as God is holy. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, for what? To be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Again, we see this conforming, this, this transformation, this metamorphosis taking place, so that we begin to imitate God in how we think and what we say and what we do. Uh, because that's what is characteristic of a believer. And when we look at ourselves each and every day, when we make decisions, do we look at it in light of those things? Or do we just make decisions that can be good in the flesh, in our own strength, not praying about even the simplest things? You know, and I could share multiple stories of even my kids teaching me the importance of committing things to the Lord in prayer, even things that I don't think are worthy of it, even my children could see that, well, Daddy, why don't you pray and ask God to help you see? Um, it is something that we, we all need to be doing each and every day. 2 Corinthians 3.18, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. See, we're being transformed and what is being restored was the, the image that was lost or marred because of sin. You know, we are all created in the image of God, but sin marred that image. You know, Adam and Eve were perfect. They walked with God in the garden. And so what has been restored by the second Adam, who is Jesus Christ, through faith and trust in him, is that we can now walk with God. We have the, the opportunity to trust and obey. And that's when we are truly happy, when we have joy, when we have that hope and that peace in Christ, is when we're living in light of who we are in Christ. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3 says, We ought to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. See, there's no stagnant place for a Christian in the Christian life. Now, and I'd much rather you not be going backwards. The whole point is that you're increasing and moving towards, pressing on towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And Paul is complimenting the church at Thessalonica, saying that their faith was growing abundantly. Has your faith since last Sunday grown abundantly? Or has the challenges and the circumstances of life robbed you 
of growing at all? You know, can you say that since last week, your love for your brothers and sisters in Christ has increased? See, again, that's, you know, the continual transformation. We're, we're being conformed to the image of Christ, to be Christ-like, another way to look at it. The thing is, we can look scripturally, Jesus even imitated his father. In John chapter 5, verse 19 says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the, Son, or for the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will, be, will he show him, so that you may marvel." See, the thing is, is that even Jesus gave us the example of, of imitating the Father. Now, again, as we understand the whole of Scripture, Jesus Christ was still 100% God. And so this is really here for us to see. That with, even within the Godhead, there's no competing. There's no going off and doing whatever you know, each person of the Godhead wants to do. They're, they're solidified. They are one in purpose. And that is seen in the lives of believers as he reveals who he is to us through his word. Now, you know, as I think about all of these kids that came through VBS this past week, and as I think about, you know, my kids, you know, which you know, our youngest is now a, uh, going off to college in uh, well, I guess a month and a half. Now I'm, I'm having the opportunity to interact with my grandchildren. Is that you can see that children are natural imitators. And they can do all kinds of things. You know, they'll imitate your facial expressions. They'll imitate the sounds that you make, words that you say, actions, behaviors. This is how they learn. And so when there is a healthy environment for a child to grow up in, one where, you know, they are being raised, you know, to know who God is and to, to glorify God, then that's going to have a positive impact on their lives. Does that mean that every child is going to turn out to be a believer and perfect? No, it does not. But the thing is, is that it is helpful and beneficial because those children are mimicking or emulating all of the adults around them, someone that they may choose to be, you know, as they run around on dress-up day, you know, as princesses and knights and things of that sort, things that they, they look to to want to be like. It's something that draws them to it because they're learning, they're interacting, they're uh, forming what is going to eventually be who they are as an adult. There's a story called Doing It Like Daddy. Nine-year-old Tommy had just received a model ship from his great aunt. As he looked at the picture of the completed ship, he was anxious to open the box and see it close up. When he opened the box, he was dismayed to discover that the ship was in small pieces and had to be put together by hand. His discouragement only heightened when he remembered that his dad was out of town and couldn't help him. He knew his dad would help if only he was there. 
As he sat down and thought, he began to ponder, what would daddy do if he were here? He looked around the table and his eyes caught hold of the assembly instructions. He thought, daddy would do it right. He would follow the instructions. If I want to do it right, I got to be like daddy. With that, he followed the instructions carefully and built a beautiful model ship. Later, when his dad saw the finished work and heard what he had done, praised his son for using his head and his heart to do the right thing. See, this is a picture of why we should be seeking to imitate God, because we want to do the right thing. The only one that we should be imitating is God himself, the one who is perfect in all of his ways, the one who loved us through his son, Jesus Christ. This is who we should be seeking to imitate, and we should love doing it. If you're genuinely a believer here this morning, then you should want to know who God is. It's not just good enough to repeat, you know, some words that someone tells you to repeat and say that you'll be okay and you'll be saved as a result. Because the scriptures, you know, put forth in, in very beautiful terms that we are growing, we are abiding, we are walking with. It is a complete change of lifestyle. Because something has happened on the inside and therefore affects everything on the outside. Daddy would do it right. He would follow the instructions. So if I want to do it right, I've got to be like Daddy. See, God only does that which is right. And if we want to do it right, then we need to do it God's way. We need to imitate Him. So ask yourself the question, can you imitate someone you do not even know? You know, when we think about uh, children and how they imitate adults, or even other people they see, or videos that they watch, all of a sudden they start mimicking what they see. You know, they've had an introduction to them, even if it is small in a way. But the thing is, is that in order to imitate God, we need to know who he is. But first, before you can even begin to imitate God, and to do so rightly, you need to be a beloved child of God. You'll notice the verse says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. So you have to belong to God first. It doesn't do you any good to try and mimic God and be a good person if you don't have a relationship with God, that you haven't been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. See, that's the first premise of being a true imitator of God. Second, the best way to know God and his being is from his revelation to us. And that is through what? His word to us. See, we can make up all kinds of things about God. Or we can say that we would, you know, we would really like for God to be. And the thing is, is we can all come up with a combination of things of what we would like God to be like. But see, the thing is, is that really, truly who God is? And we need to know the difference. Third, the Holy Spirit will guide us in those truths and give us the right heart attitude to properly imitate our Heavenly Father. So it's not just something simply as, you know, uh, you know, if you think about mimicking, you think about someone who you know, is aping someone. 
you know, doing exactly the, the same as they are on the outside. Well, this is not what Paul is calling us to do. This is not what God is calling us to do. See, this is something that has to happen from within. Otherwise, it's going to have, you know, all the earmarks of something that's not real. Because you can't have a genuine fake. It has to be something that's real. And the Spirit is the one who guides us as he indwells us as believers so that we have the right attitude, so that we can properly imitate our Heavenly Father to the world around us. And lastly, we can see what God is like through those who live their lives as beloved children and just like Paul who are imitating Christ or imitating God the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit that indwells us. Because there are people that you can look up to. They're, they're called mentors. Now, are mentors perfect? No, they're not. No one on this planet is perfect. God is. But as long as those mentors are imitating the God who saved them, then they are people we can look up to. They are people that we can, you know, pattern our behaviors, our lives after. Things that we can see that they did that helped draw them closer to God. You know, we read books all the time about how people have, you know, uh, you know, experienced who God is and different ways in which we can do that. But see, imitating God means living a life that mirrors God's character from the inside out. So you have to be a believer because it's not going to do any good. It won't be genuine. It'll be, as the scriptures talk about, a, a false teacher, someone who leads you astray that may look good on the outside, but inside they are nothing but you know, dead men's bones because they're spiritually dead. So what I'd like to do for the next few moments, something that we could be an entire series of sermons, something that Pastor Caden and others, you know, uh, help teach in the adult Sunday school is the attributes of God. Because we talk about imitating God, and see, in order to properly imitate God, we must know God and his ways and his character and his person. See, we have to have a right view of God. It doesn't work for us to just make it up as we go along. We need to go to the source and find out because as you look at every obstacle, every stumbling block that you have in the Christian life, you can always go back and see that in some way, shape, or form, the reason why we feel as though we've been overcome or feel as though there's no way out is because we've forgotten something about God because we're not imitating God himself. See, we need to see him as he is and not the way we want him to be. Because there's plenty of people that have, you know, made a God of their own making. But that's not the God of Scripture. And I'm going to give you a good reason why this needs to be the case and why it's important for us. Now, as you think about what the Bible has shown us biblically, there are what we call incommunicable attributes and communicable attributes. I know those are big words for this early on a Sunday morning, but incommunicable means that these attributes only belong to God, so we can't imitate these because this is what separates God out from all of us. 
separates him out as the creator God of everything and us as the creation. But there are some communicable attributes that God has that we can also enjoy as believers in Jesus Christ, as the Spirit works in and through us to show us how to do these things. So these are not made up. These are not something that theologians just all of a sudden came up with. These all come from Scripture. These all have scriptural references, and we're not going to go to them today. I'm just going to give you a summation statement so that you can understand. Because this is what you're ascribing toward. This is what you're going for in relation to imitating God. You need to know who he is in order to imitate him. Otherwise, you're imitating something that's not God. First, God is eternal. That means that God is from everlasting to everlasting. He is not created. He has always existed. Second, he is immutable. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. See, God does not need to change because he's perfect. There's no aspect in his being, his character, that needs to adjust with the ages of time because he is in perfection in eternity and therefore, everything in time where we are and where we exist is perfect as well. He is incomprehensible. God is beyond our understanding because he's God. There's things we're not going to understand because our minds are finite. God is infinite. But God wants to be known, and so therefore, that's why we study the word of God. Third, he's independent. God does whatever he pleases. He does not answer to anyone because he is the creator of all. Next, he is infinite. God is not limited by anything outside himself. Which is important because when we think about it, well, what about if some powerful human being or maybe some angelic being, even though they're created, could have influence on God? See, the thing is, is when we give Satan more credit than Satan is due and think that, as we taught the kids this past week, those, the two kingdoms that exist, they're not on equal playing field level. Satan is not equal to God, whereas God is the good side. See, Satan is still created. God is the creator. Nothing limits God. Nothing affects God outside of himself. He is perfect and full as is. He is omnipresent, which means he is everywhere present. So there's no place that you can go and hide from God. Darkness does not hide you. Going and locking yourself in a closet down in a deep, you know, basement, somewhere long, you know, down below the earth's crust, God's everywhere. So you can't hide from God. He is omnipotent. That means he is all-powerful. That means that no power exists apart from God himself. And when he gives power, it does not diminish his power in any way, shape, or form. He is always all-powerful and has all power there is. He is omniscient. God is all-knowing. So even though you may be able to put up a good front in front of everybody else around you, God knows your thoughts. He knows why you do what you do. That even though you've got a smile on your face, he knows the hurt that you have inside. And there's nothing that God does not know. 
He is not learning because he has all knowledge there is, because he is the one who has eternally existed. Perfection. God is completely flawless. Again, he does not need to change. He is holy in all of his ways. You can't get beyond perfection without flaw. He is preeminent. That means God is above everything. That means everything answers to him. He is self-existent. That means that God is independent of his creation. God does not need the creation to exist. There was a time in which God existed when there was nothing that he had created. He is also self-sufficient. God has no needs. Unlike us, we have needs all the time. Matter of fact, you're going to, you know, in a few hours, you're going to need to go and eat something. You know, God didn't create because he needed us. God was perfect, complete. God chose to create. God chose to send his son, Jesus Christ, to pay for our sins. And he's sovereign. That means God's over all. Every king, past, present, and future, anyone who has wielded any sort of earthly power, the universe itself answers to God. So these are attributes that the scriptures show us that are ones we cannot imitate. Because you, well, at one point, you know, we do have eternal life, but we are not the eternal God of all. So eternal, immutable, incomprehensible, independent, infinite, omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient, perfect, preeminent, self-sufficient, self-existent, and sovereign. So don't try and imitate these. Don't say that Pastor Bill told you, well, I'm supposed to imitate God, and because of that, I'm sovereign over you. You're not in preschool still saying that, you know, I'm going to, you know, lord over you. These are ones that belong to God alone because he is God. But there's a list just as long of attributes that are still God's, but they're ones that we can have as well. We can imitate these through the Holy Spirit. The first one is faithfulness. See, we will trust God in any and every circumstance. We're faithful to him. Because we know even when we are faithless, he is faithful. Goodness. We are called to do good to all and especially to uh, fellow believers. See, we have the opportunity to be good like God is good. And we know scripturally that only God is good. So as the Spirit works in and through us, we can be good as well. Grace. Uh, We are called to graciously forgive others. See, we can show godly grace towards those who do not deserve it just as God has shown grace to us, to those who do not deserve it. Holiness. We are called to be holy as God is holy. And as the Spirit works and as we continue to be transformed and are conformed in the image of Christ, we become more and more holy, more and more God-like, Christ-like, because God is changing us from the inside out. He's not just dressing up the outside. Jealousy. We can have a godly jealousy for God to be worshipped and adored. As we look at our culture and they take God's name in vain, as they want nothing to do with God or say that God does not exist, we can have a godly jealousy for him because we love him, because we know him. 
justice. It says, blessed are those who observe justice, who do righteousness at all times. See, we want God's justice to be appeased because we, as those who have had God show his mercy and his grace and his love upon us, knowing that Jesus Christ, when he died on that cross, took God's wrath for our sin upon himself, we too can have uh, the opportunity to say, God's will be done. May God's justice be done. Kindness. We are called to be kind and tender-hearted toward one another, what we learned last week. Love. We love because God first loved us. Not a love like the world has, but a love that does not think only of self. Instead, that love thinks of others. That love is a result of what God has shown us through Christ. And therefore, we can love even the unlovable. Mercy. We are called to be merciful even as God the Father is merciful. Patience. We are called to be patient, bearing with one another in love. So what you couldn't do in the flesh and being patient with your child because they've done for the third time or the fourth time what you told them not to do, and you've tried to explain it to them, God can give you a patience uh, and a wisdom to be able to continue to share the truth of God with them and to raise them in a way that honors God. Righteousness. We are warned to flee youthful passions and to pursue righteousness. See, we didn't want to do that prior to Christ. We only wanted to live for ourselves. But now we are called and warned to flee all those things that we used to live for and now to pursue righteousness, to be right like God. Truthfulness. We are called to speak the truth in love, something that our modern-day culture is very quickly departing from because it's always easier to tell a lie than it is to tell the truth. And if you tell a lie long enough, people will believe that it's the truth. And we know that Satan is the father of lies, and so we should not lie, as we learned earlier in chapter 4, but instead we should be truthful because God is truth. Wisdom. We can ask God for wisdom from above so that we know how to take the knowledge that we've received from the Word of God, that knowledge from living a light, life in light of who God is, and then be able to apply it in the very best way possible so that it has its good effect not only in our lives, but it is in the lives of all those around us. And wrath. We can have a godly wrath against those who sin against God. But see, that work also happens first in us. We need to see sin as God sees sin. And just because we've been saved doesn't mean that we're perfect. And just because we've been saved doesn't mean that, well, Jesus already paid the price, so I'm going to go ahead and do this over here. We need to see sin like God sees sin. And every time we have a sinful thought, a sinful word come out of our mouth, or we do a sinful action towards someone else, it should break us to the core of who we are. Because it's as if we've crucified Christ again. We used to love sin. We should have a godly wrath against it now. So how should this inform our lives today? I know I've given you a lot to, to, 
to, you know, take in, but see, this is part of imitating God. You need to know who he is because there are people in our world today that have a false view of who God is. They don't know who God is. And some of that is even stemming from the fact that it's starting in churches where churches are not living and not worshiping the God of Scripture, but instead are worshiping a God of their own making under the guise of being a church. See, we need to imitate God's character because there are so many deceived people in the world who are worshiping anything but the God of the Bible. Even in evangelical churches. And I'm going to share something with you this morning that has been, in the last two weeks, just uh, filling the internet about a church. Uh, and what at first it seemed to me, when I first saw it, I, I just assumed it had to be satire. There was something from the Babylon Bee, which they put a lot of funny things out there. They're satir- satirical in nature, and they're meant to be that way. But it ended up being true of at least two churches. One is an evangelical Lutheran church in America, and the other one, the United Church of Christ. It's called the Sparkle Creed. And if you haven't seen it already, I'm sure it will pop up in your media flows if you're looking on the internet. But listen closely, because what they've done is they've taken a biblical creed and morphed it so that it is a God of their own making. And this is not the God whose attributes we just looked at. I believe in the non-binary God whose pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads and saw everyone as a sibling child of God. I believe in the rainbow spirit who shatters our image of one light, white light and refracts it into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity. I believe in the church of everyday saints as numerous, creative, and resilient as patches on the AIDS quilt, whose feet are grounded in mud and whose eyes gaze at the stars in wonder. I believe in the call of each of us that love is love is love, so beloved, let us love. I believe, glorious God, help my unbelief. Amen. This is under the guise of an evangelical church just a couple weeks ago on a Sunday morning putting forth the Sparkle Creed. Now, this creed has been around for a couple years. I had never heard of it until this, you know, until last week. But see, this is what happens when we do not imitate the God of Scripture. See, when we fail to look and see who God is and know who he is because we're in this book as much as we possibly can. And I know life is busy, but every excuse that we give is one more aspect where we may be compromising who God is because we don't know who he is and therefore aren't aren't going to be able to see the fake. And even if you've been in church for years and years and years, there's still ways in which you can imitate God in different ways because you're still growing. We all are. Where, where we're, you know, dead to sin and alive to Christ. And I think we're living in a day and age, and, you know, as many will say, we think we're in the last times. Well, we might be. 
But even laying that aside, are we the bride of Christ ready for the bridegroom to come? Because the bridegroom is not coming for a church that believes this, because it's not the true church. This is not the true God of Scripture. Our God is not gender confused. So we need to be those that imitate God as beloved children because we love God, because we want God to be shining all around us, because there are people right now that you know that are on their way to hell because they don't believe the truth or they believe something that's a lie, because the culture wants the church to be like the culture. But see, the Bible says that We as believers are to be Christ-like, to be imitators of God, and therefore that will change the culture. And no amount of, you know, active protesting and things of that sort are going to accomplish what us living in light of who we are in Christ is going to do. Because the church's mandate is to make disciples, to baptize, and to teach them so that the bride of Christ is ready when the bridegroom comes, which may be very soon. But we need to stand on the truth of the word of God and not be like this church and the other church pastor who wrote this. And who knows how many other churches are going to embrace it as you see things posted on the outside of what are on the outside churches and have a, you know, the name church in their name that are embracing the culture. They've become woke with the culture. And the thing is, is that the moment we start compromising is the moment that we're no longer worshiping the God of Scripture, but we're worshiping a God of our own making. And we need to be believers that are faithful and true and to stand on the truth of the Word of God. That's why we do VBS. The truth was proclaimed to kids, some of which have never heard the truth. I have no doubt that there were parents here Friday night that heard the gospel message probably for the very first time because they need to know the truth. And that should be what's on our hearts each and every day, to imitate God. Because when we imitate God, then that draws us together in unity as a body of believers and prepares us for whatever will come. Even if it's something as grossly in error as this creed, this sparkle creed that was proclaimed from a pulpit in at least two churches in the last two years. May we be ready. May we be God's church, God's bride. May we be imitators of God as beloved children. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Gracious Father, Lord, uh, we need your help. We need your spirit to guide us in all truth. We need to really see that we are living in an evil, evil age. But evil has existed since the garden, where Adam and Eve chose to disobey, following Satan who disobeyed. And we can look out throughout Scripture and see your wrath on sin and There is no reason why, other than your long-suffering, for you not to execute judgment immediately. 
but we know you're a merciful God, you're a gracious God, because the scriptures show that. But even your grace and your mercy have a limit. Not that it limits you in your grace or mercy, but the, the thing is that you're only going to deal so long. There's a time coming which the scriptures tell us where uh, you are going to judge the world. Is it appointed unto men once to die and after this judgment? So, Father, may we live in light of who we are in Christ. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here this morning that does not know Jesus Christ, that does not know who you are, Father, that today they would see their sin as you see their sin, that they would see their need of repentance, that they would turn from their sins, that they would receive the forgiveness that can only come through Jesus Christ. And be set free. Set free from sin and set free to be an imitator of God as a beloved child. And give each believer here this morning strength, Father, to do the right thing. To stand on the truth. To be in your word. To gather together as much as we possibly can. As we imitate you, Father, and your Son, and the Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.